You're listening to Episode 4, Chipmunk. As you're probably aware, there's a lot of talk these days about minimalism, about getting clutter-free, about unjunking your life, and I am all for it. I have way too much stuff. When we moved from our home into this smaller townhome that we're currently in, I was in denial, and so our garage looks like I'm in denial. It's full of stuff that I'm trying to get through. Also, when my mother died, every piece that I had from her was very emotional, and I couldn't get rid of it. So, yeah, I need to unstuff a lot of my life. Most Americans are in this boat. We're using those paid storage facilities, and we just generally have way too much stuff. So today, we're going to talk about the chipmunk and about stuffing our lives, and you're going to hear about my closet and my overeating issues and all the ways that we overstuff our lives. Welcome to the Nature of Hope podcast. I'm your host, Lori Kaler. Here we will take 15 minutes to step back, delight in nature, and discover God. My goal is to give you hope in your daily walk and increase your awareness and enchantment in the beautiful world God created for us to take part in. If you sometimes feel disenchanted with life or disconnected from God, this is the place for you. If you pull over for sunsets and sometimes you feel like your church is outside, this is for you. Come with me and let's explore the animals, the quiet forests, deep under the seas, and high on the mountaintops, all that God has made for us to delight in. It's time to de-stress and refresh in the nature of hope. I was sitting on my mother's porch in the fall on a beautiful crisp day. The birds were hopping about the bird feeder and on the seed on the ground. And soon there appeared this cute little creature who looked like he had black eyeliner around his eyes, a chipmunk. He began hopping around, looking furtively around him, and then his delicate little paws scooped up bits of the birdseed, stuffed and stuffed and stuffed endless piles of birdseed into his cheek pouches. As they began to expand outward, I started giggling at his absurd appearance. He sat up on his hind legs and looked towards me, his cheeks defying physics and bulging out beyond his body width. It looked like he had swallowed a pink pearl eraser horizontally and was about to topple over. Instead, he dashed under the bushes with his hoard. Soon he returned, this time darting around underneath the peanut feeder. Again, the frantic stuff-stuff-stuffing with his delicate paws, and again the comical cheeks ballooned out before he scurried off to his secret lair. Although they are rodents, and although... I told my son when he wanted a pet rat, this mama don't do rodents. I find chipmunks adorable. While squirrels are the nemesis of bird lovers and their bird feeders, chipmunks are smaller, absurdly cute, and pose not much of a threat. My mother affectionately called him my little chippy when he was about. Chipmunks are found throughout most of the United States and Canada, and their ability to overstuff, cram, jam their cheeks full of food is remarkable. These cheek pouches serve dual purposes. They allow them to quickly gather food, 
But more importantly, they serve as sort of a suitcase for temporary storage and transport while they carry food to safe locations of shelter. One chipmunk who was caught and examined was found to have over a thousand cinnamon bush seeds stuffed in his cheeks. Others have been live-trapped and were found to contain oats, wheat, and nuts as well. Chipmunks aren't the only mammals that have this ability to overstuff their cheek pouches. The platypus, some monkeys, and hamsters do too. When you see a hamster or a chipmunk with their cheek pouches bursting, they give you a visual picture for the smorgasbord idiom of stuffing your face. So why do they need to stuff their cheeks, scurry about, and hide their food? Because chipmunks live haunted by lack. They hibernate during the winter, and unlike other mammals like bears that can live off of their stored fat, chipmunks need to have food put away so they can periodically eat their stored cache of food throughout the winter. Their burrows are usually underground with several concealed entrances. And since they are solitary creatures, except for mating season, they alone are responsible for sourcing, stuffing, and stashing their food supplies. It's crucial to their survival. While I find their overstuffed cheeks adorable and their hoarding habits admirable, it's not so cute when humans do it. I know this because I'm really good at stuffing my life full of things I don't need. And trust me, my husband doesn't find it adorable or admirable when he can barely open our closet door to access his clothes. I put together an embarrassing list of all the ways I stuff my life out of a mistaken, haunting sense of lack, much like our chipmunk. Maybe you can relate to some of these. Clothes. Look what's in my inbox. A sale on my favorite jeans. And now they come in brown. That's hard to find. I am always on the lookout for brown. I like to pair it with blush pink and turquoise. This is the one brand that fits me well and doesn't make my backside look like the broadside of a barn. I will wear them forever, and besides, they might discontinue this style. One more pair couldn't hurt, and it is half off. Plus, I'm sure I can match them with several other items, so it's really a smart buying decision. I can click on this ad and have them delivered to my door, and maybe stash them in the closet before anyone notices. The reality? My closet is smashed, crammed, and overstuffed with clothes. I have apparel from my skinny years through to my hefty years. Right now, I'm in between. So if and when I venture back into either of my former categories, those clothes will be old and out of style. Best to donate them and let others enjoy them now. Food. I am so tense. I'm worried about my husband's job, my son, my deadlines. I pace around a bit and pass by the refrigerator. I remember that some leftover lasagna is in there. It's nine o'clock in the morning, and I've had breakfast, but I'm starving. Well, at least it feels that way. Logically, I know I am not starving, but I feel frantic for food. I pull out the lasagna and, standing in front of the refrigerator with the door still open... I plunge a fork into the welcoming cushion of pasta, tomato sauce, and gooey goodness it offers. Bless. Now for something sweet to finish it off. I think there's some Halloween candy stashed in the back of this pantry. A Tootsie Roll! I'm not that into them, but hey, it's chocolate and has sugar. I stuff it into my mouth. 
I don't even register what I'm eating as my jaws methodically and with machine-like precision masticate the sugary treat. My eyes dart around the kitchen to see if there is something more satisfying with a bigger sugar smack. Toast with honey? I know I'm not hungry, but I don't care. I feel an urgent need to stuff my face. Reality. I'm eating out of stress. I have no physical hunger for food, but I am using the contents of the refrigerator to medicate my feelings of fear and lack of talent and to stuff down anxiety over things I can't control. I should step outside and go for a brief walk to clear my mind and heart. These are just two of the areas where I stuff, stuff, stuff my life to overfilled and overindulged. It leaves me feeling somewhat shameful, pathetic, desperate, weak, and icky. I don't stuff myself out of a sincere lack or need like the chipmunk. I stuff myself out of anxiety and dreams for the way I hope to live instead of the way I'm actually living now. I stuff and stuff and stuff because of the erroneous fear that I will never have enough and that maybe I am simply not enough. I stuff my life out of fear that I will fail. I'm on the wrong path or the path I did take, my life won't matter. The carrot of enough is always just out of reach. There are lots of books out now about minimalism, reducing your possessions and living in the freedom of less. They reflect the truth of scripture. Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. 1 Timothy 6 verses 6 through 8. My husband grew up with parents who served in ministry and lived by faith. They had no savings account and sometimes didn't know how they would buy food or pay the bills. Yet God always provided. They lived in contentment and their home was filled with laughter, visitors, and peace. My husband says he always felt rich. I grew up on the same street as the governor's mansion for the state of Wisconsin. Yet, I always felt that we were poor compared to our neighbors, whose homes were filled with oriental rugs and who took lavish skiing vacations to Colorado. Their children went to exclusive camps and wore monogrammed clothing. My comparison-riddled perspective skewed my reality. I wanted monogrammed sweaters. I wanted expensive camping experiences. And there was never enough stuff I could grasp that would satiate my yawning hunger for more. I had everything I needed, but like Eve in Eden, my heart longed for what I didn't have. It is so easy to confuse need with greed. Jesus warned us about this kind of avarice. Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Luke 12 verse 15. In the midst of an economy that only grows through consumerism, this sounds like a foreign language. We can't quite make the connection. When we overstuff ourselves with the needless debris of life, we are saying, I live in discontentment. I live haunted by lack. I live in fear that God won't provide. I live in the belief that all of this will bring me more peace and joy than what He promises. Ironic, isn't it? That those minimalist books all talk about how shedding our lives of things not only frees up physical space in our homes, but also frees up psychic and emotional space as well. 
our brains are free from worrying about ensuring, dusting, decluttering, organizing, and stuffing all the stuff. A reduction in our stuff makes for a richer and more expansive life. It brings freedom to travel, pursue other interests, invite people over, serve others, and welcome fellowship. I felt this freedom the time I took 20 boxes of books to Goodwill and carloads of unused knickknacks to our local senior center. I can only imagine how great it would feel to unstuff all our closets and the garage. Unfortunately, it usually takes a due date or catastrophic event to cause us to want to unload all of it in a hurry, like moving or cancer. The chipmunk, when threatened or handled roughly, will suddenly disgorge all the contents from his cheek pouches that he has so carefully stuffed full. When we had to move out of our home within 10 days, all the items that I thought I would use someday would sell at a good price suddenly ended up in a heap on the front lawn as we got close to the arrival time for the moving van. I went from, I'd like to sell this couch for $300, to, please, just take it off our hands, and would you like accent pillows with that? When my mother was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, a frantic unloading of many beautiful, but now deemed superfluous, items took place. Yadra figurines, Souvenirs from trips, assortments of curated rocks and fossils, collections of antique bake-like bangles, tons of craft supplies, Italian leather purses. These things form just a few of the mountains of accumulation from 80-plus years of living in two different residences. She couldn't unload it fast enough. Where she was going, none of this was needed. All she was taking with her was her character which is all any of us take past the portals of this life. So how do we end up with lives stuffed full of character as opposed to just stuff? Unload the superfluous. Unload the things. Unsubscribe from all the emails offering you sales and deals. Stuff your calendar with dates full of experiences and trips with loved ones, meetings with old friends, and opportunities to serve others. Stuff your calendar with opportunities to be used by God. Stuff your life with moments of eternal value. In Acts 13.36, it is recorded that King David had served God's purpose in his own generation. That is the ultimate epitaph you want, that God used you in your generation for his purposes. That is what character is made of. That has eternal value. That's what Rick Warren calls the purpose-driven life. That's what I call the right stuff. This was an excerpt from my new book, This Outside Life, Finding God in the Heart of Nature. It is from the chipmunk chapter, one of my favorite. And maybe you can relate to me and my overstuffing ways. You can buy this book in any bookstore or go online to Amazon. And you can read more about it by going to my website, lauriekaler.com. As we close, I would love to walk alongside you as you learn to delight more in nature and discover God. And I have a free guide for that. You can start today with a sense of God's presence. It's a five-day guide to discovering Him through all your five senses. And it's available right now, absolutely free. Just go to my website, lauriekaler.com, and you can watch the short informational video and then download the guide. Because 
If we believe God delights in His creation, then wouldn't it make sense that we too, to the best of our ability, can choose to step outside and be intentional, make a practice of just delighting in nature and discovering Him outside and inside our lives? That's what exploring His creation is all about. May your soul sing as you step outside and consider all the works his hands have made.